this time I'd like to invite the children through grade four to come up here. I know I usually release you to go to your teachers, but I'd like you to come up here first because I need your help. You see, today I'm going to be talking to your parents and your grandparents and all the adults in the room about Christmas. Come on, right over here. Right over here. There you go. And I need your help to, to help them learn the story of Christmas. So come on up here. Oh, it's great to have you here. Do you like Christmas? Hmm. They probably didn't hear me ask, don't you think? Do you guys like Christmas? Yeah? All right. It's great to have you all here. So, whose birthday is it at Christmas time? Why don't you sit down? Take a load off. There you go. All right. I'll get out of the way. So, whose birthday do we celebrate at Christmas? Come on up. Sit right here. Jesus. That's right. It's Jesus' birthday. Now, who can tell me, what was Jesus' mother's name? Mary. Mary. Yeah. And what was her husband's name? Um, Jesus. Jesus was her baby. Yep. And who was, who was Mary's husband? Joseph. Joseph. That's right. Excellent job. Aren't they doing great? Yep. They are. All right. So we've got Mary and Joseph. And then we've got baby Jesus. Now, do you know, do you know where Mary and Joseph lived? In the stable. In the stable, eventually. But where did they live? Bethlehem. Beth, well, they went to Bethlehem. In a farm. Okay. Do you remember the name of the city? Nazareth? Oh, yeah. All right, so they lived in Nazareth, but then they had to go to Bethlehem. Do you remember? Do you remember seeing pictures about Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem? And then baby Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Do you remember what, do you remember what his mother Mary wrapped him in? A blanket. A blanket? Swaddling clothes. Do you know what those are? Yeah, me neither. It's okay. <laughs> Clots, okay. So, and then after she wrapped him in those swaddling clothes, where did she put him? In, in, in a manger. Yes, because he needed to be warm. So she wrapped him up and she put him in a blanket and then she laid him in a... Manger. manger. All right. Excellent. And that manger is a place where, where, where cows would feed from, right? It was a feeding trough. So she laid him there. Do you remember who told Mary she was going to have a baby? The angel. Angels told. Yeah, an angel came. You, what was the angel's name? Yeah. Gabriel. Gabriel came. Can you imagine if an angel came and talked to you and said, hey, i got something to tell you. What would you do? Who would be like, oh man, an angel came to talk to me. But he came and he told Mary she was going to have a baby. Do you know, who else did the angels talk to? Do you remember? Zechariah. Zechariah, that's right. The angel went to Zechariah. Amen. Good job. <laughs> All right. 
Shepherds, okay, excellent. This, don't you love it? Man. Yes. Joseph, they went and talked to, he went and talked to Joseph. So he went to the shepherds, and does anybody know what the angel told the shepherds? Yeah. to God. Okay. And, and, and he is a baby. Mm-hmm. And, and the Marshall called him Jesus. What? The Marshall called him Jesus. Do I have Jesus? Unto you a child is born. Okay, so they said that you'd go and you'd find a savior. Do you remember? And they said that he'd be cry- Do you know who else came to see Jesus? Um, he grew up and Jesus and Mary and the baby come out and he put it in the barn. Yeah, that's right. In the barn. Yeah, I, I look it in my Bible. Okay. It's in my Bible. It's in your Bible? High five for reading your Bible. Good job. You got it for Christmas? Okay. So, who else came to see? The wise men came. And how did the wise men know to come? They studied the stars. Excellent. And what did they do when they came to see Jesus? Okay. They brought Jesus presents. Excellent. What did they bring Jesus? Um, they Gold. What else? Frankincense. Frankincense. What else? Myrrh. myrrh. Okay. Do you know what myrrh is? Yeah, not really. Okay. It's a, it's a fragrance. It's like perfume like your mommy wears. Yeah, kind of like that. Only a little different. All right. Well, you guys have helped me a lot. Don't you love Christmas? Yeah. It's wonderful to know that the wise men came and brought gifts to Jesus. And so don't forget that Christmas is all about Jesus. And as you're giving gifts, you're doing the same thing that the wise men did, right? All right. Well, I'm going to release you now so you can go to your teachers. It is almost Christmas. All right. How about a hand for these guys, huh? I love it. You know, Art Linkletter made a career out of that, didn't he? Did I just date myself? No, okay. I remember our link letters. Today we're going to look at finding that Christ is more than a baby in the manger. I remember about 15 years ago we had a special Christmas pageant here and we had, we had a couple who had just had a baby. And they were here and they were dressed as Mary and Joseph and, and the baby of course represented Jesus and I remember it was so powerful because that baby was, was, was just newborn. And, and, and you saw in the manger this baby moving around, and it, it just, it was really powerful. But the thing that made it so powerful was one of the nights of the performance, a little girl made her way out of the aisle. I don't know how she got away from her, her parents, but she made her way down here 
And she just knelt here, mesmerized by the baby in the manger. I don't know if any of the others of you remember that. But I remember it being such a special moment for me. You see, that's what's so beautiful about the children, is they just love the baby in the manger. Have you seen how that happens? How how kids are naturally drawn towards babies? And that's, I think, one of the reasons that God had Jesus come as a baby. Because he knew that there would be something that would draw us to that. I love collecting manger scenes. I love to look at them. I've gotten to a point where I look at them in the store and leave them there and then go back and look at them next year because that way you don't have to store them and everything. (laughs) But I have a lot of them that I keep out around all year round too. And each one of the manger scenes are a little bit different, aren't they? There's some that are just Mary and the baby. There's some that add Joseph. And then there's some that bring the shepherds in. And then others bring wise men. And so those nativity scenes begin to give us a glimpse of all that the nativity story entails. Eh, Truthfully, the majority of the nativity scenes we see are not maybe exactly the way the Scripture laid them out. If you follow Facebook, you know that a couple weeks ago I put a Christmas quiz on there. Had a lot of fun with that. But all the different things that we've come to believe about Christmas that are really not true. They're just traditions that have been passed down. But there's so many things that we do know about Christmas that are true. And they're powerful things. And they're things that God has revealed to us for the purpose of knowing the extent he went to to restore our relationship with him so that we could worship him. And so as we look at the nativity scene and as we look at the Christmas story today, my hope and my prayer is that you'll see it differently than you ever have before. And as you look at manger scenes, you'll be swept away by finding that Christ is more than a baby in the manger. The first thing we see is that he's Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And I think that's what we see when we look at Mary and Joseph and the baby. The verse in your worship folder there comes from Matthew chapter 1. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's when the angel came to Mary, the angel Gabriel came to Mary and spoke to her, spoke to Joseph and said, you will have a son, Emmanuel. What does that mean for us, really? And what does it mean exactly? And how did it come about? Now, we know that Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth and and made their way from Nazareth to Bethlehem because, because Joseph was from the line of David. Mary had become pregnant. God had come upon her and placed a child within her. Wow. Think about that. Think about that. It's the, the unbelievable truth of the beginning of the Christmas story. See, a lot of the reason for that is that Jesus didn't start his existence when he was born in that manger. Jesus always was the eternal son. He was with God in the beginning. He was the word that God spoke everything into existence at creation. Because of Jesus, everything was created and everything was made. So we know that to be true. Emmanuel. Can you imagine what it was like for Mary and Joseph as they found their way to Bethlehem? 
So many times in the dramas that we see in those, those things that depict the birth of Jesus, we see Mary and Joseph frantically trying to find their way into a place and somebody says, there's no room in the inn. And so then they find a place and quickly, right before the birth, poof, they find a place and, ooh, good, there's a manger. Worked out okay. All right? Nah, I don't know. I'm not so sure that that's how it happened. We don't know how they got to, to um, Bethlehem exactly probably with a caravan. They probably traveled along with others, probably took about a week or so, and they made their way there. Then they found a place to stay. And while they were there, the time came for the child to be born. That's what Scripture tells us. There's no room for them, and we don't know exactly what that looks like. We don't know if they were in a stable. We don't know if they were in a cave. We don't know if they were in the lower level of a house. We We don't know that. But we do know that he was wrapped in cloths and lied in a manger. Amazing that God, when he took on flesh, would choose to have himself placed in a manger. Out of all the ways that you would see God coming into the world, is that the way that you'd see it? There's something special about the birth of a child, isn't there? I remember when Tess was born, they wouldn't let me in the delivery room. Not because of any personal thing, it's just not something that was done at the time, okay? But then when Trish was born, they were like, sure, you can come in. And so I got to go in the delivery room and watch Trish be born. Now, there's parts of that that I just as soon not have ever seen. But, you know, the truth is that the moment that she came into the world, something very, very special happened. There's an intimacy there that's hard to explain if you've never experienced it. I remember I was in there and I was fat. I was, I was holding Karen up. They said, hold Karen up, so I'm holding her up. And, and she's going through the process of bringing Trish into the world. And then Trish is in the world. And she's crying. And I'm, I'm like this. And they said, you can put her down now. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, okay, you know. Because, wow, it's miraculous, isn't it? But here, we're talking about the most miraculous birth that ever happened. And in that moment in time, what were Mary and Joseph thinking? No, we don't know who else was there. It was like that in the delivery room, too. There were doctors and nurses there. I don't even remember what they looked like. All I remember is Karen and Trish and me and thanking God. Same thing happened when Charlie was born. Intimacy. Now, we know that Joseph wasn't the father of Jesus, but he was the one who was charged with the responsibility of raising Jesus as his son. I wonder what happened the moment that Jesus came into the world. And they held him. And they looked. Mary. This is God. Mary. Joseph. This this is God. The created was holding the creator. Wow. The created holding the creator. Intimate. 
Have you ever considered what it means to hold on to the baby of Christmas? The little girl who came up was fascinated. Have you moved past seeing Jesus as a baby in the manger to having Jesus intimately a part of your life? Because that birth that took place took place on one very special holy night. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for Jesus coming into the world on a special night, a silent night, a holy night. Lord, we, we think about that and we meditate on that now as we sing about a holy special night and we think about a silent night. Something to think about how amazing that night might have been as Mary and Joseph watched Jesus come into the world and as the children shared with us, shepherds, Luke chapter 2. Could I ask you to turn there? It's that part in the Bible, you'll remember, the part that Linus reads in the Charlie Brown Christmas. Do you know that there was a study done of 48,000 hours of holiday programming? And out of those 48,000 hours of holiday programming, 93% had nothing spiritual involved in them. And out of the 7%, 3% of holiday programming involved anything to do with Jesus Christ. I appreciate Linus, don't you? Yes. Amen. Because Linus just opens God's word and lets God's word tell the story of Christmas. True holiday programming, wouldn't you agree? Luke chapter 2, verse 8 There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. You think? Can you imagine? I mean, you know, we've got special effects, and we've got all sorts of energy and everything, so we're like, yeah, it's no big deal. But can you imagine in a day and age when, like, nothing ever happened, and it's like, boom, the glory of the Lord is there, and, and terrified, totally unexpected. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Okay. <laughs> I bet that was like, oh, all right. <laughs> I bring you good news of great joy. It's for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then the company of angels proclaiming the birth of the Savior. If we're going to move beyond seeing Jesus as as just a baby in a manger, we move beyond seeing the baby to seeing him as Emmanuel to understand the intimacy of the moment. But then the shepherds come on the scene to remind us that that it's more than that. He's our Savior. He has come to be the Savior. The reason that Jesus came, the reason that he was born, the reason that God put on flesh was to save humanity. Today, is born to you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
How would the angels have understood that? Christ the Lord. You see, Christ, for us, that's become part of Jesus' name. Paul does that in a lot of his letters, actually makes Christ part of the name of Jesus. But, but really, Christ is the title that Jesus carries. He is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one promised to the Jewish nation. Understand that at the time that Jesus came on the scene, there in the town of Bethlehem, there had been 400 years of silence as God had stopped talking and people had filled in the gap. You ever notice that to be the case? If you don't hear God talking, you just go ahead and put something in there? Well, that's what happened. And so the Messiah still awaited, still longed for, but really most people felt it wasn't going to happen in their day, but boy, they sure wished he came because their circumstances, their circumstances cried out for a Savior. See, most of the Jews at that point in time were looking forward to a Messiah who would come and rescue them from the situation they were in. A political Messiah, someone who would rescue them from Roman rule, someone who would would step in and and change the, the hurtful situation that they were in, save them from the things that were uncomfortable for them. And so they missed seeing what God really had in mind for them to be saved from. I wonder how that can happen for us. How can we get involved in in thinking that Jesus came to save us from the things that are uncomfortable for us? See, to come to the manger and to see the baby and to experience him as much more than just the baby requires that we see him as the Christ the Savior that Jesus has sent into the world. You will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, the shepherds were nearby. They they were nearby, and we don't know exactly who they were. We don't know why they were there. It's very possible that they were the ones who were watching over the sheeps, the sheeps, (laughs) there we go again, the sheep, that were there and were being watched over to be sacrificed in the temple. But they were nearby. Now, they were awaiting a Savior. They were longing for a Savior, but they weren't anticipating that Savior. And the Savior that they had designed was different than the Savior that they found. But when they heard the news, they got very excited that the Messiah had been born. And so they said, let's go. And see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried, and they went to Mary and Joseph, and they found the baby, and they found him in the manger. And it says here, the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Don't you love that? When God tells you something, you will find it just as you've been told. And that's what the shepherds found. I'm not so sure they understood it. I'm not so sure they really grasped the the totalness of what God had in mind for them to see. Question comes, is Jesus your Savior? 
Have you come to the manger and have you come to a point where Jesus is your Savior? Have you moved beyond him being just a baby to having him be your Savior? And sometimes I ask people that. Is Jesus your Savior? Yeah. What did he save you from? Hmm. I guess I never really thought about it. Could I suggest to you that if you don't know what Jesus saved you from, he's probably not your Savior. Because in order for Jesus to be your Savior, you have to come to a point where you realize you need to be saved. Do you see, each one of us comes into this world with a terrible predicament. We come into the world as enemies of God. Because of our sin, we are enemies of God, deserving of the wrath of God placed upon our lives, deserving of punishment because of the fact that we have not accepted the control and the reign of God in our lives. Rather, we've done what we've wanted to do, sin. And sin separates us from God. And the only way to be rescued from that is by God saving us. And the only way that God can save us is through the manger. Jesus taking on flesh, living a perfect life, then taking that flesh and moving it to the cross. Amen, John. And dying the death that we deserved. The the punishment for our sin was placed upon him. And by his wounds were healed. So have you found the Savior in the manger? As you come to Christmas, have you come to the point where you've recognized the deep need that you have for a Savior? Oh, not from the circumstances you're in. Not, not from those things that are temporary issues for you, but from the eternal consequence of your sin. And have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? Because he is the Messiah, the chosen one, the one anointed to bear your sins on the cross. Jesus, Messiah. Lord, we move into considering the kings, the magi from the east who came to worship you, following a star that you miraculously put into the sky. Lord, as we move through considering who you are, this becomes a very important point. So God, whatever distractions there are in our hearts and in our minds right now, will you take those away from us, please? Help us to focus on what you want to say into our lives right now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we move on in the manger scene and we see the wise men come. I'm an extremely literal person. It has its pluses and its minuses. So when I see the wise men in the manger scene, I begin to get ruffled. (laughs) Because you see, Scripture tells us something different than that. 
I had a conversation with a friend this week, and he said, what do we know about Jesus between the ages of zero and 30? Isn't that a fascinating question? And we had a wonderful time talking about that. I said, actually, the, the Christmas story gives us a glimpse into some things that happened between zero and age 30. One of those was the circumcision of Jesus. You remember on the eighth day when they took him to the temple and he was circumcised and the, the sacrifice was given for him and that sacrifice was two pigeons or two doves? We recognize that that was the sacrifice that was given for someone who was too poor to, to be able to afford the, the traditional sacrifice of a lamb. And then sometime after that, the wise men came. We don't know exactly when, but they came. We don't know if they were kings. Long about the 6th century, it became to be popular to call them kings. And part of that is because the Old Testament tells us that kings will bow down and worship the Messiah. And so we celebrate that. But we do know that there were wise men who came. Were there three? We don't know. The three were chosen because of the gifts that were brought, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But we do know that magi came, and we do know that they followed a star, and we do know that that star led them to the place where Jesus had been laid. So, what can we see from the wise men? Now, like I said, we don't know exactly who they are. But it's interesting to consider, some have said that the Magi were actually descended from the Magi who who were in Babylon when Daniel was placed there in exile, and Daniel went, and, and he was part, you remember, he's the guy in the lion's den, okay? And while he was there, he had an influence on people who were there. And it's thought that perhaps these magi were from there. And they were, they were told that a Messiah would come, that the, the promised king of the Jews would come and there would be a sign that they would know. And so they, they searched the skies and they searched the stars, anticipating and looking forward to that time when Jesus would come, when the king of the Jews would be born. And so they searched and they watched and they waited over all of the centuries, looking Now, is that what happened? We don't know. I love to think that that could be what it is. But at some point in time, a star appeared. Now, we don't know exactly what that star was either. I was at the Creation Museum last Saturday, which was fascinating, and they have a planetarium, so you sit like this, and everything moves around. Karen had to go out of the room. But it was fascinating as they presented different theories and options about what could this star have been. And there were planets that aligned at a certain point in time that they think could have been it. And the truth is, we don't know. In my heart, I like to believe there was a Jesus star. I don't know what God used to bring that about, but there was a bright star that shone over the place where Jesus was born. And it guided and it directed these wise men who were seeking to worship the king of the Jews. It appeared and they started to follow it. And they sacrificed to follow. They put aside the things they had. They packed up on on some sort of transportation, maybe camels, and they started a trip. We don't know how long it took them, but they came. And they left everything behind in order to find the king of the Jews. 
That's different than the shepherds. Remember, the shepherds were surprised by the Savior coming. The wise men were anticipating and sought him. And so as we, as we add the wise men into the nativity story, we begin to see the final dimension of moving past having Christ be just a baby in the manger. We find that Christ is the king. And the passage that was read for us by the Wissels from, from Matthew, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? You see, it's not, where is the one who was born who will become king of the Jews? No, no, no. Where is the one who has been born, who is the king of the Jews? Wow. Think of that. They sought the king of the Jews. And they went to Jerusalem, understandably. If you're looking for the king of the Jewish nation, you'll go to the capital city. And they went there, and they talked to Herod, all so that prophecy could be fulfilled. King of the Jews. We find that title given to Jesus once, once again on the cross when a plaque is put up, king of the Jews. You see, to understand who the king of the Jews is, we need to understand that God came in the flesh, was born in a manger, lived, and died on a cross for his people. God God brings something into each of our mind, that word. When I say the word God, you begin to formulate something in your mind. Every person does. Maybe you think of some evil tyrant ruler who's just waiting to punish you for all the things you've done wrong. Maybe you think of a wonderful, benevolent father. Whatever it is, when I say God, something comes to your mind. And when I say Christ, something comes to your mind. And it's wonderful to have Christ as Emmanuel. It's wonderful to see him as the baby in the manger, and it's amazing to see Jesus as your Savior. But your life takes on the meaning it was designed to have when you see Christ as King. Because you see, when wise men searched the skies, to find where the king of the Jews is. When they find him and when they come to him, what do they do? This. This is what wise men do when they come to the manger. When they come to the place where God is, they bow down and they bring gifts to the king. Once you understand who God is, once you see God as the king of your life, you worship him as king. It's hard for us to get our arms around that. We don't live in the day of kings. We live in the day of governments and, and democracies and dictatorships. We don't understand kings. But think back to some of the stories as there have been great kings of old and, and we see stories and stories have been told. And men of valor 
come to those good kings and they kneel before those kings and they say, King, I give you my sword. My sword is yours. I battle for you. When wise men come to the manger and when wise men come into the presence of the king, they give him their sword. Could I suggest to you that your sword is your will? Your will, completely and freely given over in worship to the king. For so many years, I knew the baby of Jesus. I had the advantage of going to church starting nine months before I was born. I knew the baby in the manger. And as a young child, I met the Savior of the manger. But for so many years, I missed out on knowing the king in the manger. Oh, I, I had salvation. I, I knew I was going to heaven. I deserved it. Hmm. Yeah. Uncomfortable laughter fills the room. <laughs> and then one day, I gave God my sword. I gave him my will. I've been a lousy king. <laughs> I, I know what it's like when I control my life. But when I bow down and I recognize Jesus as king, oh, wow. Do you have any idea who this king is? He loves you so much that he stepped down from heaven into your world. The message, Eugene Peterson says, God moved into the neighborhood. It's how much he loves you. He loves you so much that even though you you made an enemy out of yourself, he reached down to rescue you from that. Who else would you like controlling your life? Who else would you like to be the king of your life? Christmas. It's amazing. Amazing to think about. But don't have it just be 3% of your programming this year. Do you know the baby in the manger? Good. Do you understand the intimacy of God with us? Amen. Have you met him as Savior? Yeah. Listen, is he your king? Oh, I trust that he is. I trust that you've given your heart to him, that you've given your sword to him, that you've aligned your will with his. Angels proclaimed Messiah's birth. A star miraculously put in the sky led the wise men to find the king. Wise men find the king of Christmas. Are you a wise man? Come and worship.